everybody. Uh, it's great to see you. Um, happy Mother's Day to you. And uh, we are continuing today um, to celebrate what God is doing in our midst through uh, a few different things as, as we've sung and worship and prayed and had readings. Now we are um, looking at Matthew chapter 5 as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount series, uh, seeing how uh, Jesus is breaking his kingdom into um, our world and redeeming uh, our hearts and calling those into his kingdom. So today we are going to look at uh, what we're calling reckless words versus redeemed speech, how Jesus uh, redeems the words we use by refining our character uh, for his glory and our joy. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and let me pray uh, as, we, as we get started. Father God in heaven, thank you for this morning, a time to get together with your people as your people, Lord, to celebrate your goodness uh, to us. God, the way you have shown remarkable grace to your people throughout generations as we recount through the Old Testament and the New Testament and uh, Christian history and in our own uh, heritage and traditions and families, uh, Lord, as we celebrate that today, being Mother's Day. And, and God, I pray that uh, this morning you would show us a glimpse of your goodness and grace through your scriptures this morning, how uh, Jesus, how you have rescued and redeemed uh, your people, and God, how that uh, impacts our marriages and families and character and even the very words we use. So Lord, I pray that uh, you would use this morning for your glory and our joy and that the gospel would advance from our lives to the nations. We ask in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, 33 to 37 says this, Again, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil." This is God's word for us. Friends, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord over his creation. He is Lord over his kingdom. He is Lord over our hearts. He rescues us from the brokenness that leads to anger and lust and divorce. And even the harsh words we use and the wise words we fail to use. The good news is that Jesus, through his gospel, reorients our character, taking us from using reckless words to using speech that has been redeemed. And that reveals something of the character of God and also the character within us that he is redeeming. Have you ever been in a circumstance maybe where you have experienced broken promises? Maybe somebody has made a promise to you and, and just swore, look, I promise this will happen. I swear to you this will happen. I, I, I'm going to make good on this promise, this obligation. You can count on me. And then maybe that didn't happen. Maybe somebody made a promise to you or swore to you that they would fulfill something or do something and they let you down. Or maybe you've actually experienced that as well. Maybe actually you have been the one to, to promise to do something and at the end of the day you drop the ball. You see, part of the human condition is 
we sometimes can't back our words with the actions that are to follow. Over time, this erodes trustworthiness. Over time, this just perpetuates brokenness. If somebody time and time again promises to do something and time and time again they let you down, over time that relationship gets further and further apart. And this is the part of brokenness that all of us experience. I was thinking uh, recently uh, uh, about one of my favorite shows when I was in my youth was The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You remember the show? It's fantastic. Will Smith, um, one of the best, I mean, he's a talented actor. He is. But I think one of the most amazing episodes, uh, if you remember the show, it was a time, you know, if, if you know the show, uh, we could sing the song, but we're not going to, but you know, uh, Will uh, goes out to live with his auntie and uncle in Bel Air. Uh, and there's an episode where his father shows up after being absent for a while. He'd been on the road. And um, the whole episode is, is Will getting excited about the opportunity to go hang out with his dad. You know, Will's grown at this point, but he's going to go hang out with his dad. His dad's like, hey, look, son, we're going to go, we're going to get on the road together. We're going to have some good times together. We're going to make up for lost time. And then uh, the spoiler for today is at the end of the episode, his father uh, dips out on him. And one of the best acting moments in Will Smith's career, in my opinion, was his reaction to that. But what happens in that moment, I mean, I was in tears as a 12-year-old watching this, right? And if I watch it online, I'll fall apart again. Because what is so sad about that is it is a perfect example of what happens when somebody promises something and they don't deliver. It's devastating to relationships to to promise and to swear that you were going to do something and at the end of the day, you drop the ball and it can wreck relationships. You see, friends, words matter. Words carry meaning. Words mean something. If you look in the Bible, biblically, words have great power. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning of the Bible, God creates everything out of nothing by the power of his word. God speaks creation into existence. His word is powerful. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, God's spoken word indicated his presence with his people. Words are important. Words carry meaning. Words matter. We get to John 1 in the New Testament, and John describes Jesus as the word of God incarnate. Words carry meaning. The word is powerful. And so, friends, I want us to think about a few things today, how we use our words, how we misuse words or abuse words or fail to speak the right words. It reveals something about our character. In fact, it reveals something with how we view God and how we view other people. In fact, I would say it really reveals the brokenness that we experience as humans. Proverbs 19.1 says, Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Proverbs 22.11 says, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Today we're looking at a specific passage of Scripture in Matthew where Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, teaching a, a, a culture that is familiar with taking oaths and swearing things may be different for you and I today than what we think. You may think of somebody going into a courtroom and laying their hand on a Bible to give a testimony, but things were a little different in the context of Jesus's day. 
And the point is that a Christian's words should be binding because it's backed with the truth of the gospel. And so in Jesus' day, we're going to look at this again. Verse 33, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You see, friends, taking oaths, swearing in Jesus' day, was, as it is today, really displays a lack of trust in God, a lack of integrity between relationships with one another. So what the religious leaders of the day tried to do was to say, well, look, let's, let's put into place some proper way that people can take oaths, that people can swear, that, that these words can be binding so that they have to fulfill their actions, whether they want to or not. Whether the character is there to back up the actions is inconsequential. As long as people can swear and make oaths, they are bound to perform a certain thing. And Jesus says, you know, this isn't really good. You know, if you were a child of God, if you belong to the Lord, your yes should be fine just to say yes. Your word should be your bond because you, are, you belong to God the King. You have been redeemed by Jesus the Son. Old Testament vows were a way for people to call upon God as their witness and even to go so far to invoke his punishment if you break the oath. It's saying, God, I am, I am swearing before you, my friends, that I would do such a thing and if I break it before God, he can kill me. It's a pretty big deal. And Jesus says, you know, this is not wise. This is not how it ought to be because you cannot swear by God because he does not belong to you. You cannot swear by heaven or by earth because those things don't belong to you. You can't even swear by your own head because your head does not belong to you. You belong to God. In Christ, you are redeemed. You are changed. Therefore, you cannot swear by your own self. You cannot back in your character. You cannot back your own words that come out of your mouth unless Jesus saves you. So the religious leaders of the day were shifting attention away from the human heart and shifting away from the Lord and actually trying to find the proper way to structure, to make oaths and vows binding. It's, it's looking at the external to say, look, we don't care if a person's character is going to back the action or not as long as they do the action. We don't care if a person's heart intent is really loving as long as they do that appearance of loving thing because they swore by it. Are you with me? You see, the religious leaders of the day were bypassing the more important aspect of the human heart and the human character to get to the external structure of what looked proper or not. They were doing so by telling people to invoke the name of God or to swear by the earth or by their own heads, and this is actually very dishonoring to God. Jesus says, you know what? You have no right to swear by those things. They don't belong to you. You have no control over those things. And Jesus takes it past the external structure and religious uh, uh, formula that the leaders put in place and said, we're going to take it to the human Heart. This is the whole gist of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus taking things from the external to the internal. 
You see, later in the book of Matthew, in Matthew 23, Jesus shows great contempt for the way that the religious leaders have put up oath-taking and swearing, misusing words. Jesus says this in Matthew 23, 16, Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools! For which is greater, the gold or the temple that, was ma- that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and, every- and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Jesus' tone there was one of disdain. The way the religious leaders has misused words and misused uh, religious influence to sidestep the issue of the brokenness of the human heart and try to control by a certain religious formula of oath-taking and swearing. But at the end of the day, we see that religion does not cure the brokenness, but rather reveals the brokenness. Jesus speaks to this and preaches to this because he's not affirming that oath-taking and swearing will serve any good, but rather says this just perpetuates the brokenness. In fact, fact, it reveals your brokenness. You cannot swear by God or by anything that belongs to God. You can't even swear by your own head. It is out of your control. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Friends, the reason we take oaths and the reason we swear by someone or something is because we attest to the fact that our word on its own is unreliable. That's the whole reason people take oaths. That's the whole reason people swear. If if your word was reliable, all you have to do is say yes or no. Your character should back it. There's no reason to swear anything beyond that. Religious rules reveal brokenness. So here's what I want us to see as we move forward with this passage today. There's two things I want us to see. As we assess our use of words and and, and misusing words, does it really reveal a broken character of distrust? Or is God doing something within our own character that when we say yes, people know we're going to back it? Not because of who we are and what we do, but rather who Christ is and what he's doing in us. There's two things I want us to see how the gospel remedies this rather than perpetuates the brokenness because religious rules reveal the brokenness of of the human condition of of the hearts of people and the relationships that are broken because of, of mistrust and misspeaking and not backing our word. Religion reveals that brokenness, but Jesus with his gospel remedies it. He actually redeems us in two ways. First is this, Jesus redeems our recognition that God has authority over our words. If you belong to God, the words that come out of your mouth should reflect that. Your mouth is not your own. It belongs to God. When Jesus says you can't swear by your own head because you can't make your hair white or black, Jesus is go, goes on to reveal that you know, your whole body, top to bottom, belongs to the Lord. Paul uh, talks about this in Romans 12, about being living sacrifices. You know, the, the words that come out of your mouth should reflect that your mouth belongs to God, that the heart within has been redeemed and is being refined by Jesus. 
You see, the gospel reminds us that Jesus redeems our hearts and has authority over our words. God stands behind everything. Therefore, it's senseless to make vows by using people or objects to try to substantiate our claim. You cannot refer to part of God's work without ultimately referring to him. One of my favorite characters in the New Testament is Simon Peter because he is a man who is constantly quick to speak and curse and swear. He denied Jesus. But Jesus redeemed him to become one of the most powerful preachers in the first century. Church. The beginning of the church. So Jesus redeems our recognition that God has authority over our words. Second, I want us to see this, is that the gospel shows us that Jesus redeems our character, or or reveals that he has redeemed our character through our speech. Righteous speech is backed by a righteous character. Therefore, simple yes and no will do. Can people count on you at work? If somebody says, hey, I need to cut out early, is there any way you can cover for me? Can people trust that you can cover for them? Do people come to you in your workplace because they know what you say is, has truth and weight behind it? Or do people say, you know what, he always says he'll be there, but he's not. How does that look in your marriage? How does it look with your family? How does it look in the neighborhoods in which you live or the schools that you attend? Or how does it look within this church? Do people know that what comes out of your mouth is not... Uh, is not false? Or do you find yourself scrambling and say, look, I know I, know I mess up, but this time you can count on me, I promise. I swear, if, I, if I'm not there, I'll buy you lunch. If I'm not there, I'll whatever. Friends, I think we need to take a really close look at the words that come out of our mouths and see that uh, any kind of religious structure is just going to reveal more of that brokenness. But leaning on Jesus, we can see that he redeems our words because God has authority over our words and that Jesus uh, redeems our character and that the speech that comes out of our mouth is revealing of that righteous character. In fact, James goes on to, to reiterate this in James five twelve. He says, above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. Friends, it would be amazing if the Christian church was known as those who a simple yes or no would do because they always come through on their word. That would be truly amazing. So Jesus, in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, has just preached saying that he has come to fulfill the law, not to break it. That he is coming not, uh, and when he's teaching about anger, saying, look, you know, you can... Uh, have anger in your heart that is just as bad as murder. You can have lust in your heart that is just as bad as adultery. You can have uh, hardness of heart toward your spouse that leads to divorce. And now he says this all comes to the words that come out of our mouths that overflow from our heart. So there's a couple things I'd like us to do to think about this. As Jesus says, let your yes, uh, do not take an oath by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. So I want to ask you uh, to think about maybe four application points I have for us because I think this is good. I've been thinking about this a lot this week. I'm a very verbose person and I'm very quick to speak, which is not always good. In fact, the Bible warns against that. You you should be quick to listen. That's good. Slow to anger, slow to speak. 
Uh, Sometimes I forget that and I'm very quick to speak and dig holes with my mouth, metaphorically speaking. Case in point. So there's a couple things I would like to encourage us all to do because, because it's, I've been thinking about this because I want to be known as a, as a man of character who, who people can count on, not because I'm all that with a bag of chips, but because Jesus has done something in me, that Jesus is growing me as a man, that Jesus is growing me as a husband and a father. And for ladies, I would hope that you are seeing that Jesus is growing you as, as, as women, as, as wives, as mothers perhaps, as grandmothers, as those in the community, that God is growing you, growing your character and revealing something through uh, what you do and what you say. And so I was thinking about that this week and there's, there's four things I was finding in scripture that, that maybe uh, would encourage you. There's some application points for us as we want to be known as people who, uh, whose words reveal the goodness of God. There's no reason we would need to swear by anything else because the very words that come out of our mouth are a testament to the gospel of Christ at work. So, so here's the first thing. First application point, uh, repent and believe. We say that every Sunday here. If you are not a Christian, we would ask you repent of not believing in Christ and then believe the gospel. But repentance and belief is an ongoing rhythm of being a Christian. We have to ongoingly repent of sin and brokenness. That means to turn from it and to ongoingly believe the gospel and to trust that Jesus has authority over our words. That Jesus is revealing his good character through the words that come out of our mouth. So I would invite you to repent and believe that. Secondly, I would ask that we as Christians personally strive for excellence in speech. What I mean by that is this. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, but as you excel in everything, as you excel in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. If you read 2 Corinthians 8, Paul is, is writing uh, a great number of things to the Christian church, but he lumps within that together. They're tied together. They're not rated in a hierarchy. It's one conglomerated mass of awesomeness. As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you. You see, see Paul is saying faith and speech and knowledge and, and earnestness, sincerity, trustworthiness. Those things are all combined together. You can't say, well, I'm a man of faith, but my speech is a little reckless. I mean, I have great faith, but you can't trust anything that comes out of my mouth. That was the religious leaders of the day that Jesus was preaching against. They were saying, look, we're, we're so untrustworthy, we have to swear by inanimate objects to have any weight behind anything that comes out of our mouth because you can't trust us. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8, excel in everything, in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in all earnestness and in our love for you. See that you excel in this act of grace also. He talks more about, about giving and serving, love. So first, repent and believe. Second, personally strive for excellence in faith and in speech and all of these things. I'm, I'm striving for this in my own uh, life right now. Number three, be an example to other believers. Now, let me just pause here in case 
I misspeak because it happens. This is not a to-do list to get in good with Jesus. These are just some application points in light of the grace of God that has saved you, <laughs> right? It's, we're not lazy Christians. We're Christians who have been saved by grace so that we can display the grace of God to others. So repent and believe, personally strive for excellence in everything, faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness, love. Number three, be an example to other believers. This is why you can't do the Christian faith in a, a solo capacity. You need other believers. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. The Apostle Paul writing this to young Timothy to, to live out this example that applies to us as well. Again, you see that all of these things are, are together. They're not a pick and choose to-do list. Well, I can excel in conduct. I can excel in purity, but not in faith and speech. I mean, I, I, I know people like that. I've been in seasons of life like that where I'm like, well, sure, I'm, faith, I'm such a person of faith and purity, but my speech is just ridiculous. So be an example to other believers. How are you doing that here within the community of faith that you're a part of? We have missional communities. We have DNA groups. I hope that, that, those, uh, that you are connected in those capacities. If you're not, we want to get you connected in those areas because it's a great example. Um, I mean, I've had friends even just within the past year at this church, friends say, man, you just, uh, what's coming out of your mouth just doesn't really ref- reflect grace, man. You seem pretty bitter. So be an example to other believers. And fourthly, walk in wisdom toward non-believers. Do you know that the way we use our words and back it with our actions uh, is a huge component to gospel mission? I mean, we could do all kind of cool service projects and do all kind of mission activities, but if, if the words that are coming out of our now, mouth are not backed by the actions of the gospel, then, then it's all for naught, I would say. In fact, Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says this, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. That means those who aren't in the faith, non-Christians, non-believers. Walk in faith and walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Friends, let your speech always be gracious. That's very convicting to me. You don't have to ask that many people to know that my speech is not always gracious. Sometimes it's not salty with the gospel. So friends, this is my charge and challenge to you as we reflect not only on these verses that Jesus teaches on the Sermon on the Mount about swearing, I would want it to be the case when we say, let, your, let you say, excuse me, let what you say simply be yes or no. We cannot do that out of any kind of religious structure that takes Jesus' redemption of our character and our words. And so I want to ask us all, whatever stage of faith you are in, to repent and believe the gospel. And then in light of that good news of Jesus redeeming your character and redeeming your words so that your yes and no are simply yes and no. We repent and believe that, that we would personally strive for excellence 
that we would be an example to other believers, and that we would walk in wisdom toward non-believers. I think God would be truly honored and amazing things would happen in our midst if this was the type of people we would be in light of the grace of God. And that's my hope and prayer for us. Um, We're going to have a time of response now that we do every Sunday at Redemption Church. If you're a believer, we would invite you to come partake of communion that will be set before you here. There's bread that you can tear off that represents the um, body of Christ, and you could dip it in the wine or the juice that represents the blood of Christ by which we have forgiveness of sin. So if you're a believer, we invite you to come down these aisles and partake of that in that way. Also, a couple of the ways to respond. In the back, there is a giving basket if you want to uh, worship by giving toward the mission of Christ through Redemption Church. There's that. And then um, there will be somebody in the back that can pray for you. If you want somebody to talk with you through anything that you're wrestling with or that you've heard, well, we have somebody in the back that will have an orange lanyard that I think it says, may I pray for you. And so we would love for you to uh, connect in that way if you want um, any help with anything that you've heard today. Uh, Another thing that we've begun doing here at Redemption Church this year is setting some goals that we would love to see God do uh, through the ministry of Redemption Church. And so there's a time that you can pray now during this time. I would uh, invite you to pray toward those things. One of those goals is that we would have the great joy of seeing God save 100 people through the ministry of Redemption Church. Uh, We don't know what that looks like, whether that would be 100 people here or through your missional communities or neighborhoods or or where you work, that you would have a personal evangelistic relationship with somebody who who would in turn come to faith in Christ. Uh, We've had a couple instances of that happening already this year. Ben shared that. Uh, I had the great privilege of seeing someone come to faith back in January. And so we're we're, uh, prayerful and hopeful that God is saving people Uh, in Augusta, Georgia, through the ministry of Redemption Church. So we would want to pray that we would have the great joy of seeing 100 people saved. Um, Also, uh, we want to pray toward the ministry of redemption being used toward planting of churches. Uh, We believe that uh, the gospel is clear that disciples make disciples, that uh, missional communities replicate, that communities plant communities and the churches plant churches. And so there are opportunities on the horizon that we are praying that God would raise up church planters that would burden you to be a part of church plants, to give and to train church planters. Um, Also, we want to be mindful and pray for the ministry in Uganda that you've uh, been hearing quite a bit about. Several of our members here have been uh, over to serve in Uganda and there are more opportunities coming with a family ministry there. And so um, be mindful to pray for that as well. And also, the worship team will be coming back up here in a moment, and you can respond by worshiping and praying in that way. Uh, So let me pray as we have this time of response and reflection. Father God, thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, again, a time to gather as your people with your people. And Lord, I ask that you would continue to stir up our hearts, uh, God, to stir up our hearts to repentance and belief. Um, God, I pray that we would be a people of great joy, of great faith, of great speech that is gracious and backed with gracious actions. Uh, God, I pray that you would convict us of the ways we abuse and misuse our words. God, the ways that we uh, seek to uh, validate our own brokenness by swearing and, and taking oaths and making promises that in our own strength we cannot deliver on. And so, God, I pray that we would not be reckless and take those things lightly, but rather we would see that the words you give us to use carry weight and carry meaning and carry value because you have redeemed us, our characters, and the words that come out of our mouth. God, I pray that they would be gracious words always, as your scripture says, and that we would be uh, an encouragement to other believers, that we would be um, encouragement to non-Christians. God, that 
you would be honored and glorified by the way we even talk and by the words we say. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do amazing things through that. God, I pray that you would grow us all in wisdom, faith, and joy, that you would grow this uh, church as a church known for being um, a community of grace and joy. And Lord, I pray for the things that uh, we have set before us as goals. Lord, I pray that we would have the great joy of seeing a hundred salvations this year, that we would see new churches planted, new uh, missional communities uh, replicated. Uh, And God, I pray that we would continue to hear and see and witness and participate in the uh, joyful ministry of um, family ministry in Uganda and the Church of Sojourn there. So, um, Lord, I pray that you would use this time to stir up our hearts toward you for your glory and our joy and the advancement of the gospel we ask in Christ's holy name. Amen.